and we're live. Right on. Happy uh, third day of spring, 2023. Are you sure? Uh, how was your... Uh... No, I'm not. That's why I paused. That's why I paused. Today's Wednesday. I was really excited yesterday to... Uh, obviously, we had some clerical errors and human errors, mostly on my part uh, yesterday morning. But uh, what uh, I was really excited to say to people, happy three... Two, one, two, three, you know, yes. for the date. But, yes. uh, but now I, I just said it, so we'll, uh, we'll roll it over until today. I used it to, uh, to title the, the file as well. And I was like, that's cool. And then I went on with my life. So I think we'll be okay. Okay. I hope so. I think, well, but I'll, I'd say today, my, uh, I guess it's not a circle back, but my, uh, a quote for today about that or related related to that would be happy three, two, 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 three. Uh, yeah. There's three yeah. twos and two threes. That's the magic of the universe. Magic of the universe. I, uh, I think we're done. I don't, we're not going to top that. Let's just, end it now i mean sacred geometry uh, that's a whole other uh that's not only a rabbit hole but it's a black hole through time and space it's the kind of place stevie nicks came from you know i always suspected she was from wherever that is a place of uh happiness and uh and uh rainbows Flowy robes, all the stuff. Well, I know now. She, I think she, I she still lives in Phoenix now, but I uh, know she. I guess she was born in Phoenix, but I thought she'd still live there. Like what I remember from the VH1 behind the musics and whatnot was that she was all. You know, that was she was from there, and then she moved to California, and then um, I guess this famous story um, was that she had. Uh, met Lindsey Buckingham because he's a year he was a year behind her because she's a, a, a cougar even at a young age and uh, you know he was a younger guy but they'd met in high school I think at a at a church related club uh, thing and I think that was always the story was that she, he saw her playing California Dreamin'. Uh, and then I guess at that point started giving her lots of lots of critiques about her about everything involved in her playing style and whatnot. But uh but I guess that's how lifelong uh friendships are founded. So did you know uh Lindsey Buckingham's brother? I mean a lot of this stuff I just remember from the behind the music. Yeah. That I guess his brother was a silver medalist in the Olympic Games in swimming and I think 1968, maybe that was Mexico City. I just remember it was the Mexico City Olympics. Um, just random things you remember about. I want to say his name was Greg. I actually just clicked on his. Oh, yeah, yeah, Gregory. Yeah, won a silver medal in 1968 in Mexico City. Um, um, well, oh, yeah, I guess they were both competitive swimmers. So No, I'm a fan. Okay. Lindsay Buckingham yeah. is a fantastic musician, but 
my favorite fact about him is the uh, dead-on impersonation by Bill Hader. Yeah, Bill Hader is Bill Hader is a prime example, and I guess Jody Foster maybe was an earlier example. But Bill Hader would straight up tell you he never took classes, and he never, you know, like he just moved out to L.A. and started doing production work, and just kind of got into on camera because he works so much off camera. Uh, right. He, sorry, somebody's honking down the street. But yeah, he's phenomenal. He he's phenomenal. someone that you know, I missed on SNL as in he did a good job, but uh afterwards when he was I guess able to to do his thing, I mean there's just none better. I am a huge Bill Hader I fan. I will Yeah, I will say I'll I'll out myself as somebody who has never actually seen Barry. Oh dude. People tell me that I would like it a lot, uh, but obviously he's magic. But he does a killer job of, uh, well, I think the first, when he got on Saturday Night Live, I think the first sketch that season when he started, his freshman year, they the first sketch of the season, I don't know if it was like uh, Hurricane Relief or um, something, but it was like Celebrity basically celebrities showing up to volunteer like at a like at a habitat home build type thing right so everybody especially all the new cast members there was their first time on screen doing their kind of top tier top shelf celebrity impressions and he did his uh pacino you know out of pacino out at a job site yeah you know <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you ever see the one where he uh, he played Pacino and they did? It was a sketch about. I don't know. Uh, you're a, you're a, I think it was. I don't know if you're a dirty MF or Charlie Brown, or something like that. But it was supposed to be like a Broadway and a, a, a gritty adult Broadway uh, re, reinterpretation of Charlie Brown. Um. Oh no! You know what? It was uh, it was when Larry David hosted, and I think Larry David played uh, satirized himself and played Charlie Brown. I think that's what it was. I did see that episode, but it's not ringing a bell. But uh, Barry, uh, dude, Barry is is just, and it, maybe that was when I was like, "Holy crap! This guy is phenomenal," because it's a really good show. It's a really good show. Roller, roller, good show. Yeah, I'm so happy that Henry Winkler is back and people are, he's finally getting some of his, finally getting some respect. Cause I just think he, you know, he, I guess he was so popular during Happy Days. As, as, as some things are, it's so popular for a period of time than, you know, in pop culture, the next immediate, the next cycle it goes through, it's very uncool. Yeah, but Sly don't like uh, that guy. Do you know that situation? I oh, because they were in. Uh, I think they were in Lords of the Flatbush together. I don't know. Well, uh, Henry don't, Winkler has yeah. the rights to Rocky, and Sylvester Stallone can't do anything without his permission, and and he is not happy about that. 
Oh wow! How did that? Did he did, did he I, just I buy, buy it? Okay. I don't. I, I know that Henry Winkler helped him get it made. Um, but I I don't know. I guess he made a a smooth uh, business move, and now he probably is more wealthy off of that than anything else. Well, I just googled Henry Winkler, and I hit R. And the second thing that came up was Rocky. So, I would say their okay, relationship well, is very rocky. Well, they well, you know, Rocky does know how to swing those punches. Punches, I, I like it. All right, so uh, the Fed just raised interest rates by another quarter point. So I won't be buying a house in the next five years. Don't let's 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 not let's not let's not say anything crazy. Uh, well, do you think? Well, obviously, I mean, from a lot of, and I think again for the folks who have not heard previous episodes or have met us in person, I think you have a uh, not to out you, but th- th- you have a uh, a really developed uh, sense of uh, financial practices and investments and and. What not? How much of it do you think this is in directly in response to to trying to keep a cap and and kind of pull the reins in on any anything that may happen related to the uh, bank bank situations in the last week or so? Well, you know what happened with silicon was related to interest rates, so this would just do more damage, at least to uh, people whose portfolio are similar. And by people, I mean companies and people, mm-hmm. um, is fighting inflation in a time where there was record profits, there was record inflation. So it, it was just a money grab that continues to murder the middle class and to sink uh, poverty line even higher, or I guess that would raise the poverty line even higher. And to sink the people in poverty even lower, it's it's not Republican and Democrat policy against each other. It's the fact that they're just corrupt and not putting laws into place that protect uh, the the people. There is different forms of the free market that I'm not educated enough and to really. Uh, describe them all right now, right here. But you can still have a very open, free market with regulation. And uh, to me, when you are pillaging a country's people, that's treason. These corporations, in my opinion, are not American patriots. You know, that seems to be a big thing with some people. Uh, they, they should be looking out for the good of the country and the good of their employees and the good of their, uh, customers. And there's none of that. None of it. In any environment where you have CEOs and executives and stockholders that are more important than your customer and your employee, you're going to have that every time. And, uh, 
it is definitely our version of let them eat cake. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the same, you know, we've, I guess never, never going to, never going to get worn out no matter how, how often you, we have to bring it up, but all the people screaming about, you know, their, their freedom and capitalism, but all they're trying to do is ship jobs overseas. You know, that, that they, that they, you know, want to use, uh, weapon, weapon, weaponized capitalism. Yeah. Uh, you know, where everything's America, America, America. But if you looked on the, on the flags or on the inside of the t-shirts, it's all, I'll say, you know, made in Taiwan or made in any place that's not the United States where they'd have to pay a, an acceptable livable wage, which is much higher than the people making the shirts. Uh, not the actual people physically making the shirts, but, you know, management company owners or investors want to pay, uh, their employees. Cause obviously that would eat into their, you know, pro America misunderstandings and, uh, and their, uh, you know, thinking their profit margins and how much they can take away from somebody else who's physically doing the work makes them a superior person or, a you know, I guess shrewd is a popular word, uh, People, people, uh, with varying degrees of, uh, honesty like to label themselves as, but, uh, but that'd be fascinating to see. I mean, I think, you know, that we had had, I had a conversation with a, with a guy earlier that's kind of a state, state manager for, uh, probably eight, 850 or 900 agents in North Carolina. We kind of oversees that earlier today and we were both agreeing and I'm a big, you know, invest North Carolina, you know, bring your company here, invest, you know, we're, uh, actively, you know, the state, uh, is actively engaged in facilitating, uh, infrastructure redevelopment and being ahead of the curve, uh, Whereas, you know, other, you know, finger quotes, larger cities, higher population, uh, density centers, they're having to play catch up. They don't have the infrastructure. People move there. Traffic's jammed up for two or three years because they're having to take down bridges to rebuild bridges and all this. And North Carolina and specifically in the triad, you know, in the space between Raleigh and Charlotte, we've had a much more advantageous opportunity to, to put in infrastructure. And to to be ahead of the curve when it comes to the population shifts that are going to be coming in the next uh, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. But especially where we are in the triad, we have uh, a tremendous opportunity to... Uh, To, to you know, be be preemptive and aggressive like that, but obviously with the Beltway going in uh, around Winston, and you know we're going to have, I mean obviously yes, nothing's perfect, but uh, people, you know, on the right and the left, uh, typically really get wrapped up in situations where they let perfect be the enemy of good, and that's a recipe for disaster. Uh, but just being able to stay nimble and do appropriate things. And I think that's one thing nobody seems to understand with, uh, uh, incentive packages, especially the kind that, you know, the state of North Carolina would taper to recruit industry. You know, it's not, uh, 
free stuff. It's if you don't, you know, this is the deal. If you company invest this, do this in this certain period of time, you will get credited something back on your taxes. It's not, you don't have to pay. You're still going to have to pay. But if you do the things, if you meet the requirements and the level of investment, the level of jobs created for a period of time or however it's structured, you know, you'll get a rebate back, you know, later. I know back when we had uh, a good developed film industry here, um, you know, we, I think the year we shot Iron Man 3 here, maybe it was 2013, 2012 or 2013, um, we, I don't know, whatever the, the hundreds of million dollars of investment in that year when Iron Man 3 was shot, how, whatever the investment, the out-of-state investment was in TV and film production from January, I think, to June or July was a larger number than the combined amount of, of investment that either had been in the past 25 years or ever. I mean, it was a huge, huge number. But obviously, uh, you know, politicians who in this case happen to be on the right wing and, you know, that had to try to leverage religious fanaticism and, and voters to create stuff and create fake, you know, gesticulations of drama and concern and panic when none existed. Uh, Omega juice is what I call it. Omega juice? Amygdala juice. Oh, amygdala okay. is the part of the brain that controls fear response. And you can literally put somebody in a CAT scan and tell if they're conservative or liberal. Hmm. Well, it definitely, it definitely could be. I know, I, I think I saw a thing. Did you ever watch House, the TV show? Man, you know, I, I, I love House, the character. But when every episode, 30 minutes left in the show, he realizes that it's Legionnaire's disease, I, I just couldn't watch it anymore. But yes, I did watch it some. Oh, well, you could have had Legionnaire's disease, and that's why it was so triggering for you. <laughs> yeah. It's possible. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, he was, yeah, that was a fascinating show because a lot of people can't do. I mean, obviously, Hugh Laurie and the cast and the writers had a lot to do with it, but just the basic premise of taking and adapting Sherlock Holmes into a new format. Because um, I think, you know, they tried to do it. I guess uh, uh, Johnny Lee Miller had played, I think it was called Elementary. I think it was on CBS. And maybe Lucy Liu or somebody had played Watson. And um, um Oh, and Benedict Cumberbatch was outstanding on Sherlock. Um, but I'm sure there are multiple other examples where it didn't necessarily. That's my favorite TV on. show of all time. Sherlock is. Uh, Sherlock. Yeah. Yeah. It's just brilliant. It is insanely brilliant. It I was. Wish they made more. Was, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Are you hearing that? Absolutely. Yeah. We're gonna... I definitely enjoyed that show. It was outstanding. I don't think people... It's, there were so many magical things, but, you know, casting is everything. I mean, writing's important, but obviously the right 
people. But I feel like for a while there was uh, always a great story about people were looking at Matt Smith to play Dr. Watson. Right. In, in Sherlock, which would have just, you know, you need apples and oranges in that situation. You don't Indeed. need apples and apples. He would be Sherlock. Exactly. 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 It is, He's had uh, a fascinating... A t- Go ahead. What? Oh, well, it's a tough show to watch because unless you're really paying attention, you're not going to get it. Like all the people screaming about Tenet that being a bad movie because they didn't understand. And I think that's 100%. the thing with Sherlock. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So he, he had an interesting, what were you saying? I just think he's had an interesting career, you know, to uh, Matt Smith specifically. I mean, everybody on that show. Well, Mark, well, yeah, I got everybody on that show. But Matt Smith, I think, when you think about people who did not get certain jobs, but for Matt Smith, to, you know, that he didn't end up doing that, but that he ended up, um, you know, at some point playing uh, uh, Charles Manson and uh, – I think, you know, I guess he's in the, the House of the Dragon show, which I was never super into the other show. I mean, I, I wasn't ignoring it. It just kind of was never on my radar. But to, to be Doctor Who, uh, to play Prince Philip, you know, to play yeah. a Terminator, yeah. spoiler, spoiler alert, uh, you know, to play one of the Terminators, to play, again, Charles Manson. I mean, that's just a fascinating diverse body of enviable, enviably diverse body of work. I, uh, I enjoyed him yeah. as the doctor. That, that's a show that you? I, I really liked, but I wasn't able to keep up with it. Now I'm going to have to rewatch everything. Who was your favorite doctor who? Um, or top two or three. Well, I mean, Matt, I, and and he's the one I watched the most. I hated the show as a child, but now uh, I got over it. I got better. Was that? I'm trying to think who that was. That the, was that the famous guy that wore the scarf. I'm terrible with yeah. names, so Doctor yeah. Who fans yeah. don't come after me. Um, I'm trying to pull up some Doctor Who because I want to call people by their correct uh, names. Did you like uh, David Tennant? Yes. I mean, yeah. I love the idea that they changed the character the the actor for the character, you know, it kind of unique and uh, it lets you re-engage with the doctor because of the subtleties of it all. Do you, as a person who's watched multiple incarnations of the doctor, do you feel like, you feel like it's the same character you're following who is just kind of morphed into different uh, host forms? I feel like it's an entity that chooses 
or is compelled to draw in whatever characteristics that doctor needs to have within individuals. So the chosen one is only chosen for a while. And I wonder what happens to the body or the the person after they're used up. Yeah, well, I think, you know, that they pass away. But was it, uh, I think William Hartnell was the first doctor. And that literally he just died and they needed to do something. And that's when they had brought in, uh, I'm, I've clicked on the page now, with Patrick uh, Trotton, I guess his name was. Um, but did, but uh, John Pertwee, who I think was the third doctor, his son, you know, later on went on to play Alfred in the Gotham TV show on Fox. Um, right. But Tom I like Baker, I think, is he, yeah, I think Tom Baker is who I was thinking of that you were, you were, you know, the, the famously wore the scarf and always just kind of looked like everybody's you know, fav- you know, great uncle that you're always excited to see around the holidays. Right. I don't know enough about the show to, uh, I just didn't get to watch, but maybe a couple of seasons and it, it got away from me. How much have you watched? Uh, probably a lot less than, than, than you have. I'm just, fascinated you know you go down rabbit hole sometimes and so at some point i became fascinated with uh i guess do they call it hootum um or um but i think it was because I, I i know i'd seen peter capaldi in some things earlier in my life that i didn't necessarily remember or know that oh that's peter capaldi because he wasn't kind of a star you know and i mean when you're when you're you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, or in your teenagers, you don't necessarily, unless somebody's pop culture famous, you don't necessarily know who they are. Right. Um, I feel like when I was a kid, I'd actors I was really familiar with who were not huge stars probably were like that. I'd seen movie posters or I'd seen a clip, you know, like on USA or, or TNT. So you wouldn't see like the full movie. Like, I think there were, um, I just remember always being like, I just thought Mickey Rourke was amazing. I think he still is, but he's underrated. And, you know, people, he's, he had, a, he's, has had a tragic life. And, you know, just everybody's personal tragedies manifest themselves in different ways. Um, uh, and his obviously, you know, led to horrific plastic surgery and, and other, other things. But I just always thought he was, you know, one of the greatest actors of his generation. And I, I don't know if it was Vincent Gallo and maybe it was, I don't know if it was on press tours for Buffalo 66, but I remember seeing this great clip of him. Um, not yelling at an interviewer, but somebody said something about, Oh, Sean Penn's doing great work. And Vincent Gallo, I don't think he told them to F off, but he was like, uh, Sean Penn wishes he was Mickey Rourke. Oh, you know, so, which is probably true also, but who among us from time to time, has not thought that. Uh, oh, but to get back to that other thing, but I think about the housing market and in- interest rates. Right. Because we, we are redefining linear conversation. 
Um, <laughs> but I think from the from what we talked about today, and I don't know if it was uh, uh, that was Lawrence Yen is his name, but the um, yeah, oh, Lawrence Yoon, yeah, it is, yeah, the chief uh, economist for the uh, National Association of Realtors. Uh, I think he had recently, it was this week or last week, just talked about it, that he might think there might be a uh, nationally, you know, uh, a 28% dip, but in North Carolina, we'd only get to seven. You know, and again, I would say people, sellers don't worry, and then buyers feel less stressed. Um, because people are moving to North Carolina, you know, despite our legis- conservative people in the legislature's best efforts to, you know, fantasize about weird bathroom things that weren't happening. You know, this is a place for mature adults. You know, we we. Well, why is it every time that there's a bathroom thing, you find out that it was uh, a conservative doing it? Any well-known pedophile ends up, you know, overwhelmingly 80% of the time being someone who's screaming about pedophiles. Well, I think that's the concern with, uh, and I think Trump finally, you know, obviously I'm no, no fan of, no fan of, uh, the little orange, little orange, uh, uh, goblin man, but, uh, but I think he finally called out some of, uh, DeSantos nonsense. Um, posturing, you know, and questioning his, because obviously when you get in situations like that, especially the bombastic, false, butch, hyper masculine stuff that you get, uh, from, from certain, uh, areas of, uh, right wing leaning people, like that's clearly, I don't know who doesn't understand that's, that's just a, a lazy red flag for, you know, just insecurity of insecurity about who they really are. And they grew up in cultures where if they were going to accept who they really are, they'd be shamed and called names until they were going to burn in hell and all these kinds of things. So the level of nonsense posturing and hiding, uh, you know, covering up who they really are with just the, the nonsense fake macho shit is, is, uh, Tragic and overwhelming, but also it, 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 you know, makes, makes, makes everybody around. I think they don't understand the level of suffering they're putting on everybody else, uh, when they, when they engage in that. But, um, but, uh, but we, you know, I, again, I think generally speaking, people that, that that's not reflective of most people, but definitely not reflective of, you know, folks, you know, in North Carolina that, uh, you know, we're generally speaking good people with good hearts and, uh, you know, we can all have a better life together, better communities and, and, you know, people, people can learn to appreciate each other without. Yeah. What I don't understand is why is someone else's culture a problem for you? And like with my ex mother-in-law, she would take offense to anything that was different than her. Because she felt it made her look stupid. And, you know, you know me. I'm sure you know what I said to her. No, you I can imagine stupid this. is what makes you look stupid. 
And uh, yeah, that's probably I would say it's a hundred percent. But also, people that think that, generally speaking, everything about that they tie to whatever religious beliefs were beat into them, literally, and and psychologically tortured into into keeping and you know and definitely told if you're not a martyr for this then you're going to burn in hell you know and if you're not actively suffering in this lifetime for the religious beliefs then you're not going to you're not going to be rewarded in the next life well we won't get into that on this episode no, we don't talk about stuff like that. We're uh, we we don't discuss such things. No, no. So it's it's getting interesting with uh, Russia and China currently holding hands, and North Korea shooting rockets, and I'm wondering if there's going to be a North Pacific treaty organization like NATO, but on the other side of the country or the planet. Yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. Well, that, and that's a fascinating, um, you know, I mean, Americans typically, cause we're so Eurocentric. I mean, we don't, they don't think about, um, uh, Oceania, uh, you know, Pacific, you know, things that happen across the Pacific ocean. They just don't think about it. Um, so I, I, that doesn't seem out of the ordinary. I mean, between South Korea, Russia, China. Um, but again, there's, you know, and there might be some, I, it, it would, it could definitely potentially start like that. Um, but obviously when they get in situations like that, you know, they would, they would obviously as a, motivating factor or a qualifier for their behavior, they'd say, well, we have to ramp up nuclear arms production and, and you know, weapons of war because, oh, there's only three of us and there's so many of everyone else who is not part of us. So, you know, once again, they're, in this case, you know, they're the ones who are otherizing the rest of the world. Um but absolutely, that's well. That's that's one of those weird things. I've and obviously I'm not an economist, but I always, you know, you always kind of hear that, uh, you know, fair trade and actively engaging in global trading partners, you know, you can build up those relationships so it can eliminate uh, potential misunderstandings, peeling off into uh, into wars. You know, the trade can help solve, solve and eliminate wars. And, uh, but obviously when you get people entrenched in ideologies like that, and unfortunately, I think half the reason they're going down this path now is that they see that there's so much divis- division in the United States with, uh, you know, facilitated and, and, and escalated by, you know, militant right wing people that, oh, yeah. that you got laboring people. on. You got people complaining about the price of gas and inflation while they ignore uh, the fact that there there is record profit, but the amount of fundraising that the Orange Menace has done the past two days over a few days over the threat of arrest 
you know, they need to be saving that money. They need to uh, use that money for the good of their family. But if they were considering the good of their family, they wouldn't be conservatives to begin with. Yeah, well, they yeah, and they definitely would not. I mean, it's it's a it's a horrific. They certainly would not. I mean, again, part of me, the, you know, the frustration and anger that comes out, but also, just as I get older, a lot of it just turns into sympathy and my 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 need, my driving my driving force in my. Uh, I mean, I try not to have sympathy. It's, it's you know, when you're an empath, you can't have control over that. You just have the emotional connection to people, but. But just uh, trying to understand how much shame and guilt these people had conditioned into them to actively think so little of themselves. And especially in the Southeast, you know, there's a lot of that still, you know, 150 or 160 years later, there's so much like Confederate shame, post-Confederate war shame. And instead of everybody just moving forward together, they are still have this fixation about, you know, thinking their great, great granddaddy was a hero and he was all this. And it's like, well, they, they happened to be on the wrong side of a war. It was over. They lost. Let's all not live in the past. Well, in the yeah, past, you know, Germany's done there, a fine job of that. They, they, they acknowledge that it is, uh, humiliating and evil and, they became better for it, or some of them, most of them. You know, the thing I always tell people talking about, well, it's my heritage. Well, if that's all the heritage your people have, y'all suck. You ain't even yeah. trying. If you can't beat being proud of of the Confederacy, you know, the lowest amount of effort you can give is nothing. The second lowest amount you can give is bothering they're not even bothering, man. They're not. And it's, but also it's, you know, they're just so conditioned to self-hatred and it's not an excuse, but we you know when somebody is emotionally tortured, but also I think, have you ever gotten into, um, or if you heard of ancestral medicine and I think epigenetics is another same kind of thing, but basically where trauma and basically that uh, trauma is passed down to you genetically. And so I think a lot of, and I think that that's a lot more, you know, and science expands, they're starting to see more about this, but where literally the shame and pain and self-hatred from 1850 to 1860 to, you know, all the way to today, it never filtered out and it just built up. So literally these people that I guess would be our contemporaries, their children would have five, well, some of them, eight or nine generations of shame and hate built up in them. And, you know, they, they have just been conditioned in closed minded communities to, you know, still hate outsiders. I mean, and outsiders, well, my dad moved from a city that was not a huge city, but it's a nice, you know, small, medium sized city to the country. 40, what year is this? 45 years ago, people still yeah. joke like, oh, well, you, you, you ain't local. You know, right. like, for, like, give me a break. Like, My they're kind of joking. Crap. Yeah, they're, like, they're kind of joking, from, but not. 
Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. got crap from coming from North Carolina. Because of the yeah, like literally, yeah, like literally twenty miles, literally going twenty miles and crossing into a different county. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the thing is, for me, is you know, conservatives will disown their children because it's all about the children. But they will disown their children uh, for being different than they are, and. While I'm sure liberals, there are times when it's too much. They didn't like that. Now, there's some batshit crazy things for liberals as well. But uh, I always find it interesting that the few conservatives that don't disown their children for being gay or actually having an open mind and able to do simple math without a headache is uh, they're like... Now I see it all this time and I see it. But then the very next issue, they're back to being brain dead. So that, that applies with, uh, in, in a unique time in human history where the natural selection is generational. As in natural selection used to be when you reached a certain age of, of maturity, the nature does its thing and you pick who you're attracted to. And that leads to what you were talking about being generational because how often do people look at like-minded people and that's who they hook up with. So if it's genetically inclined to have say a big amygdala, and you are afraid of everything and you thrive off that feeling of they're out to get me, which is the definition of a conservative. Uh, that you end up with entire culture and, and populace that is made up of those same genetics. And then the cool people move away. I was having an argument with a guy one time about uh, the electoral college and he's like, it's not right for the, liberals to control everything on the coast and i'm like they're only there because they left the cool people left these areas mm -hmm. if they were able to stay there'd be more balance but because of the treatment they get they're like eff it i'm going somewhere where there's like-minded people so you create that genetic pool over time and uh i would suspect it, it we're at the, the earliest amount of time we can influence that. But it would be fascinating to look through giant empires like uh, the Ming dynasties and the Roman times and even in Egypt to see if we see examples of that because who even knows that that's a thing? Uh, this country, this this democracy, the experiment is unique in some ways, but every empire has fallen. And I think these are the things that lead up to that. I wonder if you can look at Europe as a good example of that too. The feudal system may have, uh, you know, like I said earlier, 
let them eat cake. It may have been enough. Interesting. Well, man, I think I may have lost you. Are you there? Eh, that's cool. I got to cut it off anyway. Got things to do. Um, if you're still there and you, you can hear me, but you cannot reply, well, then good. Uh, I get to have a one-sided conversation, and I'm fine with that. Anyway, lighter.